0: we're back you know when you hear that baseline you already know what it is it's the deep cover podcast coming back at you taking our annual sabbatical <laughs> those <laughs> that have been listening to us since the beginning know how we do we like to take a little mid-season sabbatical uh but we're back coming back together forming like voltron off of this week 12 in the nfl actually we're recording this thursday so i guess we officially week 13 uh because the bills and the patriots are playing right now so we're actually on to week 13. uh but it's good to be back man it's good to be back with my guys uh chris and Carrie. and i'm gonna check in with them in a minute but just you know a little little you know hit everybody on, on what we're going to do just probably look back at that jags game you know disappointing loss touch on that a little bit obviously there's been some news out there about greg roman and potentially uh, being considered for the Stanford head coaching job and um, you know probably wrap that into just kind of some of the offensive struggles in general regardless you know whether he, he were to be offered that job or not take a look at it in that light and then uh you know look ahead to uh to, to dangerous us the Broncos coming into town on Sunday so try to hit on all of that uh but before we get going, Again, like I said, it's good to see my guys. good to talk
1: to my guys. i start with you, Kerry. How you been, man? What's going on? I'm good, man. Uh, you know, just super excited to be back with my guys. You know, it's been a while. You know, we always talk through the group chat. Um, but, you know, it's good to kind of get back and see you guys' faces and chop it up again and, you know, kind of talk through some stuff. You know, it's been a frustrating, you know, couple weeks or whatever it's been, um, you know, as far as the team. But, um, you know, we can kind of – parse through it together, you know, find the good, find the bad, you know, find the optimism, find the stuff we have issues with going forward. But, you know, it's always good to, to be with you guys kind of talking
0: through that. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it, man. Uh, like you said, we talk in our little group chat. So I've heard, you know, some of you guys thoughts about the team and things that have been going on, but, um, I'm sure we'll, we'll unpack it even more tonight. Um uh, But, Chris, let me come to you, man. It's been a while. How's everything going? I I was telling you earlier this week, this might be the most upset I've ever seen you uh, with respect to the Ravens offense. (laughs)
2: How
0: are you doing?
3: I'm doing well, man. I I, I tweeted it, I think, the day before the game that I was not sleeping on the Jaguars. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were like, man, get out of here with that. And look, it happened again. The Jaguars have given me three – like the first one the monday night one um in 2 2011 that's probably the most upset i've ever been at joe flacco like i was just pissed off at him like like if he stole something from me then obviously the london game that one was traumatizing and this game this is probably like the most upset i've been with the ravens as a a team cuz it was it was just a frustrating loss on on both sides of the ball so I, I know we're gonna get into it. So um, yeah, I, I won't take up too much time right now.
0: <laughs> hey, look, my, my wife who almost never watches football, but you know she coming in and out of the room. She be walking around, you know, behind in the kitchen. When she came in, and she said, "Is that the Jags mascot?" I was like, "Yeah," and she was like, "Is he wearing a thong?" <laughs> I was like, looks that way. <laughs> I knew at that moment. That there was something in the atmosphere. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I really wasn't even paying attention to him like that because you know you watch so much of the game, and you you focus on certain things, and other things are kind of just like there. It's on the screen, but you're not really looking at it. So I saw it, but I was like, I well, wasn't really. Fun. And then when she she in, my eyes went to it. I was like, yeah, that dude's legit wearing a speedo um, with just like the 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 jaguar head on, but then just like regular body speed speedo. I was like, yeah, something ain't right here. And then, you know, he came out in the second half with some clothes on. Cause, like she said, somebody probably talked to him. <laughs> somebody probably went down here, and the fan probably called. It was like, hey, you got to put some clothes on. <laughs> so even she felt like some just something was up. Like, you know, like, what, what's going on? What's up with this? Um, but, you know, the game obviously, uh, you know, didn't, didn't turn out the way that we hoped as Ravens fans. And, um, you know, it's it's a it's, it's a great place to start right there, right? Just just you know, rip that Band-Aid off and uh, talk about what we what we saw there and some of our frustrations and uh, like Carrie said, any any reason for optimism that you might have, I'm sure there's some. Uh, but I, I will go back to you, Chris, because you say you want to take up the time. This is the time. Now is the time. So you can take as much time as you want uh, to kind of express your feelings. You know, this is this is this is the safe space. Right. When we come together and we heal in this space. <laughs>
3: yeah, man. Um, I mean, it was just bad all around. I mean, it, it just felt like. If if Lamar was on point, the receivers weren't, it felt like if the receivers were on point and open, Lamar wasn't right. And it was just like it, it just could could never get on the same page. Like, that's just what it felt like early on. I mean obviously he had the fourth quarter where you know he just had to pull out the superman cake and we saw him finishing runs like you know we haven't seen him do that you know we you know he only does that for special occasions where he puts the shoulder down and really runs into defenders and uh you know he he went he went off and uh, put the team on his back pretty much so that was good to see but just as far as the totality of the game it was just another frustrating offensive performance for the team and you know I, i know we spoke about this a few weeks back after the the bucks game where you know we were just like you know that second half that's what we need to see you know and that that's the frustrating part about giro is that those flashes of brilliance where the the play calling just seems to just be so cohesive and, and, and everything just gels and clicks. And then you have games like this, where you are just stuck in the mud and they're trying to turn, you know, turn the car on and you just can't get out of that mud. And then, you know, the fourth quarter comes and then, you know, they're finally able, you know, wheels up and able to get out of it. But it, it's, you know, performances like, like this those are the ones that scare me when it comes to playoff time because, you know, not everybody's going to be the Jags and, you know, not not be able to jump on the Ravens' defense early on. I, I know the Jaguars did it in the fourth quarter. I mean, everybody knows what happened. But let's say a team like the Bills or a high-powered offense like the Chiefs, if the Ravens' offense struggles and, you know, can barely crack 100 yards before halftime, and you give a high powered team like that the ball and and give them good field position it's going to be tough sledding it's it's not going to be like oh yeah we're facing the panthers oh yeah we're facing the jaguars it's going to be tough and i don't know what they can do to to fix it i don't know what they can do to kind of get out of this funk and and, and kick start things because we've seen it We've seen it happen with this offense, and, you know, I think they have the offensive line, especially when, ran, when Ronnie Stanley comes back, and then, you know, you got Gus healthy, and you got J.K. coming back. So I think they can kind of get the ball rolling, but it's that consistency. That's like the main word that we we, we uh come up with when we talk about g but looking for that consistency. And I think if they can get it on... You know, obviously they, they're talented enough uh to to really be a force in this league like like we've seen in the past and we've seen flashes of it this year. So hopefully they can get things going because it, it's it's been tough to watch for the you know for a lot of these games.
0: Yeah, the the struggles uh on offense particularly in the red zone uh kind of were, were magnified even more in that game. I was looking at some of these these numbers, and, you know, the season-long stuff for them isn't that bad, but if you look over, like, the last three games, things kind of take a turn, right? I was looking at um, just kind of a variety of different scoring stats, offensive scoring stats, so they were sixth in offensive point; they are sixth in offense points, uh, offensive points per game on the season, 24.4, they're seventh in offensive scoring margin. So you know how many more points per game um, you're scoring than your opponent. They're plus four. They're plus four basically in that. They were 11th in offensive TDs per game. So that's not just scoring. You know because scoring could include field goals. It could include special teams points, defensive points. It's just offensive TDs. 11th at two and a half a game. Um, ironically, they're tied. They're tied for 10th with the Jags of all people uh, for red zone TDs per game uh, with two a game. But in the last three games, they dropped down to 16th um, with just under two per game tied with a couple different teams. And then the red zone scoring percentage um, on the season is about average. I'd say probably about league average is right around 51 percent. But the last three games, it drops down to 38 percent. And there's only been three teams worse over the last three games uh, in the Jets, the Texans and the Patriots. So, you know, when you look at that. It's, it's obviously disappointing, but then I also looked at some of their other numbers across other seasons. They were 60% risk on, or red, red zone scoring percentage um, in 2021. They were 59% in 2020. So I think they're due for some regression. I think they're due for some positive regression because if you also look at their attempts, just how many times they get to the red zone, they're also like top 10 in that. I didn't write that number down, but they were, they were definitely top 10. I think they were inside the top 10. So they're getting there. And there have been times when they've got there and scored earlier in the season. Um, But, you know, obviously that's been more of a struggle over the last couple of games. So, Kerry, I'll come to you on the Jags game. Um, What was the vibe for you, man, coming out of this game? I mean, obviously it's a loss, so that part's disappointing. But just some of your thoughts uh, about what you saw.
1: Yeah, the vibe for me, I'm going to go back to the uh, classic Solange Nose "Seat at the Table album. Weary. I'm weary of this team. <laughs> because they like there's so much good there within the inconsistencies of what um, you know what goes on. Um, and I kind of already saw this coming in a sense, not necessarily that I saw a loss in his game. I think that people were getting a little bit too comfortable. Um, They looked at the seven and three record. They looked at the schedule, the rest of the way, and, you know, people just got way too comfortable and I'm like, yeah, okay." okay, you know, these teams still have to line up and actually play and, you know, what's so frustrating is there's a lot of things you can point to and just be frustrated with and, you know, want to see changes and all of that. And, you know, within all of those, uh, I think Chris said it perfectly. You know, they, they get stuck in the mud. And it, it happens for long stretches, for too long. Um, Even within all of that, they were up 27 to 20, got a sat fumble that could have close to the end of the game you know it, the, the the margins are just so thin even within all of this um but I think my biggest kind of takeaway is, is just like Chris explained these these long stretches where they're stuck in the mud um, things don't look cohesive you know they're they're struggling to uh, you know get plays off and you know all this talk about, you know, the motion and and the things they're trying to do from that perspective. And I'm like, okay, well, um, I watch Miami play and I watch McDaniel and I watch him use motion like every play and they don't have any struggles, you know, getting plays off. So, and, and you know, just a lot of miscues that I feel like shouldn't be happening at this juncture of the season. And so that, that, that makes it frustrating, but then you look at, uh, you know, I did the same thing, Mike. I looked at some of the stats and and where they, they they stand, and offensively, they're right up there in a lot of different categories. The the one major glaring one is, um, you know, red zone scoring as far as touchdowns. They're in that you know bottom tenth um, as far as the NFL goes, but everything else, they're right there. They're right in range. Um, so, you know, statistically there's, there's stuff to, um, uh, to be, um, uh, excited about, but you know, just watching them, the eyeball test, you know, it's just, there's just too many long stretches of, um, inconsistency that, that has to change. And I think that, that change we will get into it. I think it's going to have to be kind of philosophical, you know, different voice, um, you know, different um, um, way of, of, of structuring this offense. Um, defensively, I just want to say something. I saw a tweet, and I don't remember who uh, whose tweet it was. Um, and it's not even something to, like, call this person out for. It. It's just kind of like a, um, a thought process thing um, I saw somebody tweet that this defense should never give up 28 points to this team in this situation. And hey, man, this ain't your granddad's NFL anymore. <laughs> you can probably w- pick your your best defense, whatever you feel like is the best defense in the league. You take that defense. There's twenty six teams in the league that can hang twenty eight points on that on that defense in any given week <laughs> you know under the right circumstances coaches are too good the office of talent on every team in the nfl too good the the rules are skewed to help offenses be more productive you know this this notion that because they're spending so much cap on defense and they made the trade for Roquan when everybody wanted a receiver and all of that, you can be upset about all that. I get that, but those moves aren't going to change, you know, this defense into a defense that, uh, you know, allows 12 points a game. You know, it's just not realistic, especially when the defense is not completely healthy, um, you know, at, at this point of the season. So I think people have to kind of, um temper the expectations. Um I think the defense was fine. Yeah, they gave up some plays and um, you know, there's some situations that they would probably want back, but, you know, that that comes with the territory of playing um, um defense in the NFL. You know, Urban Meyer kind of uh, salted away this guy's um you know career early on, but made no mistake um, Trevor Lawrence was considered the best quarterback prospect of the last 10 years. They have talent, uh, in that receiving core. Uh, you know, Evan Ingram is a talented tight end. They got Travis Etienne, at running back. And just about every team you run into in the NFL is going to have guys that were blue chip kind of players, uh, you know, in college and you know that you just you're just not going to shut down NFL offenses so I think people got to kind of get that out of their brain uh that that is going to be some realistic expectation uh, of any defense um you know regardless of who it is so you know that that, that was kind of just my thought process there but you know overall it's just you know a missed opportunity and and, and something that um is frustrating and you know one of kind of look at it, but also at the same time kind of move past it and see what um the rest of the season has in store for the team.
0: Yeah, we 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 we'd be remiss if we overlook Julio jo- I mean uh Zay John <laughs> <who dropped 11 laughs> for one forty five on them boys. <laughs> Eleven for one forty five. And you people who were like Zay- people, people were like Zay who, <laughs> Dude,
3: who was that not Carrie. But- not
0: no no he did not um because he uh <laughs> listen if you've been if you've been following when Kerry puts out his his DK lineups and his sprinkle me picks Zay Jones was was in the lineup this week yeah and uh you know you 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 would have been in a pretty good spot if you had him mixed in you know any of your other lineups out there so you know always you need to always be checking that out you know if you you into fantasy DFS whatever uh, you definitely need to be checking those out when they come out on the weekend. Normally, it's what, like Saturday or sometimes that's yeah. Sunday morning?
1: Yeah. Most of the time Saturday. I, last week, I had some stuff going on. I kind of had to delay it, but most of the time, I got it out on, on Saturday. Yeah, I,
3: I read it, and I saw you had Zay Jones. I was like, oh, shit.
0: He <laughs> <laughs> gets the death for the Ravens If he got, if Gary, if Gary got one of the opponents in his fantasy lineup, you know somebody that to go off. Um, but, you know, look, I got to be equal opportunity here real quick before we leave this game because we talked about the defense and we spent a lot of time on the offense. But, Kerry, you touched on defense a little bit. Um, you know, Denard and I talked about it a little bit. It was a little uh, – uh, when we did the fire zone um, last night. It was a little bit of a throwback to some of the early season stuff we saw from the defense. Because for three quarters, set aside getting stopped on a a fourth and one, which was questionable as to whether it should even have been a fourth and one in the first place. But anyway, it happened. Um, and whether, you know, they ruled out a fumble, whatever. They were going to turn the ball over on downs either way. Um, aside from that, where they got the ball at the 50, and then they were able to, to move it down the score because they hit that little turkey hole shot to Jamichael uh, uh for 28-yard touchdown. Aside from that, for three quarters, three points, did all the Ravens defense allow when the Jags had to go the length of the field, right, when they didn't get turned over, it, it, that put them in, in good field position. That was it. And then in that fourth quarter, 17 points. And so we hadn't seen that for a while. You know, really, I guess you could start with the Tampa Bay game, going through the Saints, going through the Panthers. We thought we had kind of turned the corner on, on a lot of that, really even before the Tampa Bay game. It was really those first, you know, maybe three games um, when we saw some of that stuff. But then we thought we had kind of turned the corner on that. But then you saw some of that kind of rear its head. But to Kerry's point, I think injuries do play a part in that because, look, no, difference, no disrespect uh, to certain guys, you know, I'm a big Brandon Stevens fan. Uh, Denard and I both are. Denard even more than me. Um, because he told me that he was going to take Deshaun Elliott's job. job. Um, But, you know, he's he's in a position in that game, which I don't think is a natural position for him. I don't think he's a natural cornerback. I don't think he's a natural outside cornerback. I think he's probably a little bit more of a safety. He has the flexibility to play in a bunch of different spots. But if you say we're going to line you up out here for, you know, however many different snaps because we got to move Marlon Humphrey inside because Kyle Hamilton, you know, was wasn't available. He was injured for this game. It just creates that ripple effect when you have to do that. And now you're, you're having guys in positions where, you know, good offensive coordinator, good offensive, you know, designers are going to target that guy. They're going to say, Hey, look, we think that we can win against that guy in some one-on-one situations. And it's not like he was beat super badly on some of the plays that he gave up. There was that one double move kind of deep ball uh that set him up for for one of the last touchdowns. Um, but you know, the fourth and five to Marvin Jones, he was kind of right there for that. And again, even though you could go to the play before that, right? When or two plays before that, uh when Calais gets the sack and they're looking at second and twenty-one. Um and then we we go into a prevent defense and give up 16 yards to make it four from five. Um, so you can even look at that and say, did did you know did you give Brandon you know the best opportunity by putting him in that situation? Yeah, I I don't know. I mean you you can you can talk about that for sure, but uh, I think that you can look at the plays that he made because he made plays in that game. He had TFL on the screen, the tackle uh, on on a third down stop. You know, short of the sticks. He got flagged for that that one play, which I thought was kind of ticky tack when he got a PD. But you know, he did get a little handsy at the top. But that's who he is. He's gonna get his hands on you. That's how he plays. I'm cool with that. Uh, but you just you know, it, it was those situations. And Kerry mentioned it. You can pick five, six situations defensively um, where you know they just weren't at their best, and and the Jags were better in those situations. And that's kind of what it came down to. It's not like uh, Trevor Lawrence was going up and down the field for the bulk of the game. You know, uh, it wasn't until that fourth quarter. So, you know, I I uh, I don't think that the defense played poorly either overall. I just think you got into some of that flashback stuff where guys were kind of doing some things that were maybe trying to do a little bit too much. You know, they had kind of gotten away from that too, where they kind of were trusting each other and they really were kind of buying into the calls and um, you know that that has. A force multiplier kind of effect, right? Uh, when everybody has bought in and everybody trusts one another and is not worried about who makes the play, like it doesn't matter who makes the play. If I do my job, somebody's going to make the play, and that's going to be good for the overall defense. Where I think we saw a little bit in this game of you know guys feeling like, oh, I got to do this. And like Denard said last night, some of that could be because there's new guys in there, the guys who have to come in as a result of injury to other guys, and then you're moving like two spots. So now you gotta move Marlon inside, you gotta bring Brandon Stevens outside. Um, and you got guys who haven't been playing together for the bulk of the season. You know, they've been mixed in at various points, but they haven't played uh tons of snaps together for the bulk of the season and now they're back in there and having to communicate, having to see things through the same set of eyes, and it's it's just different. So, you know, I, I'm not gonna rehash the whole fire zone show. Y'all can go listen to that. We talked about all of that <laughs> the other night. Um but I think the inconsistency point that you both touched on is a good way to, to transition into this Greg Roman topic. Unless either one of you want to touch on anything else with the Jags game. I know we all probably want to put that on the bed.
3: Yes, once, please.
0: Twice. Sold. <laughs> so the inconsistency. So let, let me let me use that as the kind of jumping off point into this discussion about Greg Roman because We've talked about it on this show a bunch of times. We've talked about it in our chats. We've talked about it on the public side of Twitter, just different engagements we have with people. But I'm not going to necessarily ask you guys, and I'll start with you, Chris. I'm not going to necessarily say narrow it down to like a specific thing, unless you have a specific thing. But when you see that kind of continued inconsistency, there's a bunch of different words I've been using for it in my little notes when I chart. I'll say inconsistent. I'll say disjointed. I'll say segmented. I got all of these different labels for stuff that I put in there. It's not like it just doesn't look good. But what do you think is the cause of that kind of continued inconsistency? I mean, you can look at individual plays and say, okay, here's what I think went wrong on that play. Here's what I think this guy didn't do well on that play, or I don't think the call was on that play. Package all of that together. But when you see it continued week in and week out, what do you think the calls for that, cause for that continued that, I guess I'd say, consistent inconsistency? <laughs> what do you think the cause of that is?
3: I think it's a, a lack of trust from the players. Um, you know, we've seen former players uh, come out, you know, most recently Hollywood, and just, you know, not really be a, a, a big fan of, of the offense. And uh, even though he got his numbers, you know, I mean, he he had a, a you know fairly good year, and it could have been even better. You know, he probably doesn't drop a couple touchdowns, but even so, even with him putting up those kind of numbers in this you know run-heavy offense, it's just like you see the sometimes the body language on the wide receivers, even the body language of Lamar, and. It just doesn't look like these dudes are excited about this offense or you know really are buying into it. I, I think you could feel that sometimes when you watch certain offenses run. And uh, you know, the, the latest uh, example of that right now is Miami, you know, where you see Tua and, and Tua looks like he's having fun playing football, you know, and and his relationship with Mike McDaniels and you know the the. The relationship that they have, I think that's a huge part of that offense being able to operate and, and look the way it does. I mean, obviously, yeah, they have Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. You know, duh, of course, is going to be explosive. But the fact that Tua looks like a completely different player than he's looked so far in, in the NFL, you know, that speaks volumes to the trust that he has in, in the coaching staff. And for me right now, I think that is probably the biggest problem is that universal buying in from the offensive side of the ball, mainly with the uh, the receivers and, and and Lamar, in my opinion, because I I'm not gonna say for sure I know, because only Lamar knows, and you know probably teammates that are close to him. But it just doesn't look like he trusts the offensive play calls right now.
0: I think that's a great point. I think some of that stuff you can see, like you say, we, we're, not, we're not in the building, we're not in the locker room. We're not privy to some of these conversations that you know are maybe taking place. But there are certain things that kind of show up uh, on the field. you know, you can just see it through guys body language <laughs> I'm not going to be that guy the body language expert uh but you can see it at times <laughs> through body language you can see it through the way the guys react uh you know before or after certain plays. um you certainly see it on the sideline at times when guys are kind of expressing frustration and stuff like that now some of that is just stuff that happens in, in every game um for, for all teams but I'll come to you on that now Kerry too because that to me inconsistency like to just say okay that offense you know is inconsistent i mean every every offense goes through that at some point during the season sometimes multiple points that's that's just the ebb and flow of an NFL season but for it to be a consistent kind of thing that you see just show up week in and week out um that's that's like that that's just i can't even get the word out it's systemic <laughs> it is systemic on some level i think when you see that kind of persistent inconsistency and disjointedness. So, um, I'd like to hear your thoughts, Carrie on, on where you think that comes from, and um, you know if it's if it's something that you think is related to coaching. Yeah,
1: um, definitely think so. Um, I, I think one thing I kind of feel uh, as far as the inconsistency, um, and specifically with the um, Running game and, and, and how it's structured and how they do things, maybe there's just too much. You know, we've taught for years and we, you know, kind of brag and gushed over um, just the amount of different things that Greg Roman can throw at you um, running the ball. It's just such a varied scheme, you know, whether it's power, zone, whatever it may be. There's just so much. But maybe it's too much, you know, maybe it's something that should be kind of whittled down to what the team is doing best and just do a lot of that. Um, you know, sometimes football doesn't have to be so difficult. You know, sometimes you can kind of just hone in on, on um, you know, the things that you do best and make small counters off of that. Um, I think that's an issue. I think you know some of the stuff we talked about in the group chat and probably talked on here before. Other things are an issue when you see something working and not going back to it. You know, I, I talked about um, Devin Duvernay's usage this year; just been outright criminal. Um, the talent that he is, and specifically some of the things that he brings to the table, and you've seen it work. And worked very well and he went to it a little bit in this this jazz game so i'll give him credit for that but for weeks on end Mm -hmm. before that you know it it was like it never existed and so you know that's an issue um and it's one of those things where we talk about um if this is going to be a run oriented offense and um we'll just be honest you know the 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 run game and the and the passing game the the marriage between those things don't look great at times um from Giro, um and that you can kind of more so deal with if again if that if the running game is top five dead or alive if they're blowing everybody off the ball, if they're imposing their will on a weekly basis, they have a good running game. This isn't a run game that's imposing their will week in and week out. They can be slow. That you know, this is not um, a rushing offense that is. Dominant, and and we can go sh- straight to the the red zone scoring numbers to to tell you that t- this is not a dominant rushing offense. One that you would say, okay, we'll deal with the inconsistencies in the passing game. We'll deal with the um clear issues in the passing game because this run game is just so so good. This isn't that, you know, it's a good all you know it's a good offense is a good rushing offense, but it's not dominant. So if it's not dominant, then okay, what what do we need to do? What do we need to tweak to get it to that level? And so um I think the, the, the issues that we've seen have just been going on for so long that you know at some point um you know, it's just trying, trying to be honest and, and and
0: you know trying
1: to to get a new voice in in the room.
0: Yeah, I mean, I they, we talked about the communication part uh, at other times, and you know, I always come back to um, longtime offensive line coach NFL, Bob Wiley, coach for the Browns and some other teams, who would always say ninety percent of the game is communication. You know, it's like the physical part. There's a baseline of that at the NFL level. Everybody's a great athlete. Everybody's strong. Everybody's fast. Everybody's big. But the communication, which really kind of stemmed from the mental side of the game, he really feels like is, you know, the the, the biggest part of the game. And that's not just communication on the field. You know, when he made that comment, he was really kind of speaking, you know, within the context of an offensive line and how important communication is within those five guys. But I think he also, you know, later in that talk kind of broadened it out too and said, you know, from from not just from player to player but from coach to player. And so if that communication um has broken down in some sort of way, if the relationship, you know, Chris talked about the lack of trust, you know, if you don't have a trust relationship there, it's going to be hard to go out there and lay your body on the line and you know consistently do some of these things if you don't believe in them, you know I mean that that's that's just a fact uh it's difficult it's just more that's just human nature you know and maybe there's some people out there who can just say hey I'm going to embrace the suck and I'm just going to fight my way through this you know and just and I, and I think they do that I think all those guys try to do that um at times because you, you know we're, we're not there but you got to imagine that there's certain calls that come in and guys are like Damn, this this is what we doing. <laughs> this is what we're doing in this situation. You know, and, and they they still, you know, try to execute the play to the best of their good because they're professionals. You know what I'm saying? This is you you, you whatever you, you put on tape is your resume. And you know, whatever happens beyond this year, um, you're always trying to to make sure that you've got that good tape for that resume out there so that you continue to have opportunity to make money. So they're going to do that because they're professionals. But it just looks different, and I think we've seen it. You can look around the league, and I think you can see teams where it looks different. You can look at the Ravens team, and you can look back at various years, various seasons, where you can you can point to things and say, hey, it, it just looked different when you felt like guys were really kind of bought in, and guys really believed in what was going on in the offense. Now, um, before I ask this next question, it's still related. To Greg Roman and regardless of what happens, you know, whether he gets offered the job and takes it at Stanford and they have to replace him in season or if they have to replace him at the end of the season. Um, or if they just decide to make that move at the end of the season, not because he's offered a job somewhere else, they just, you know, like, like you said, Carrie, it's kind of just time, you know, it's just time for a different voice time for different message. Um, one thing I wanted to ask is. Do you? Because I know Chris, you talked you talked about this last year. Like there were just so many injuries that it was really kind of hard to to fairly evaluate him, particularly when, when Lamar went out. You know, that's a whole that's a game changer. Now this year, obviously the offensive line has been better. Um, you've only had Ronnie Stanley for what, one, two, three, four, five, six games. Um, so you know that that's that's a factor you've only had Gus for three games you had JK for four games you had Rashad for what four or five games so I guess where I'm going is are we back in that territory from last year and I'll start with you Chris where it's like hey we want to evaluate this guy but you want to say hey did he have you know all of the horses did he have you know everything that he was expecting to have from an offensive standpoint um, to be able to do one, two, three, four, five, six games for Bateman. So it kind of is getting into a little bit of that territory from last year where it's like, yeah, the offensive line is better for sure, more consistent this year. But you still are missing some of those pieces. Uh, Obviously, you traded Hollywood, so he hasn't been here for any of it. Uh, (laughs) do you look at that at all Chris in your uh, evaluation or do you say nah you know what that was last year they've been good enough in terms of of what they have available this year where I can't really make that same case for him
3: this year yeah I think um, last year was just you know historically bad and historically unfair for you know a a coaching staff to have uh, with all those injuries and injuries to key, key players. And this year, you know, like you said, Mike, they've relatively, they've had a relatively healthy uh, offensive line for the whole season. Um, I think the running back situation has been way better, even though, you know, Gus has missed time, JK has missed time. But, you know, Kenyon Drake is still, you know, leaps and bounds better than what they had last year as far as having someone who's dynamic enough to, you know, have not just have, you know, those four or five yard runs that, that we saw from Devontae Freeman last year, even though I thought he played well, but still he's not physically um, at the place where Kenyon Drake is in his career right now. And, and the same with, with uh, Justice Hill, who provided a bit of a spark before he got uh, injured. So, and then I, I look at the wide receiver spot. Yeah, you know, they miss Bateman. But, uh, you know, I I look at what DeMarcus Robinson has done, and and I think he's filled in, you know, fairly well, considering, you know, they got him as a a camp cut guy. And then you look at Duvernay, who Carrie's mentioned, it's just the usage is just so frustrating. And, you know, you'll see people say, oh, he's not getting open. But, you know, when he scored the touchdown in the end zone against the Jets, he wasn't open either. You know, he, he went up there and he made a play. And it's, well, excluding Sunday's game against the Jaguars, let's take that game out. Whenever he has the ball in his hand, excluding the Jaguars game, it's been positive. So it's your job as the offensive coordinator to utilize that, that player and use him to the best of his ability. And, you know, I I sort of feel bad for for DuVernay because, you know, he's clearly a talented guy. Now, I I know there are people who throw the Debo thing out there. I don't think he's Debo, but I do think he's way more talented than the way he's been used in Baltimore. And I just – I can't let Roman off the hook this year because there are pieces there, you know, the – to work with, I, I think, you know, last year, even uh, during the COVID year, you know, there was, there were a lot of, you know, circumstances that, that weren't ideal for, for an offensive coordinator, but this year I, I I can't give give Gregory the pass.
0: I think that's fair. Kerry, I just wanted to hit you. I, I want to put that out there because I'm trying to do the other side because I know, you know, some folks might listen to this and be like, oh, this is more, you know, Everybody's against Row. Nobody's presenting any of the other sides of these things. So I wanted to put the injury thing out there just to, you know, say hey, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be equal time here on this kind of thing, and we could even lump in some of the stuff that we talked about uh, before with um, on the player side. Um, you know, where you know you're missing open receivers, or receivers are dropping the ball, or people are fumbling the ball and putting it on the ground you we can even lump some of that in with the injuries too but um i'll pose the same question to you Carrie. is it enough to say hey i i think we gotta you know grade this on a curve or do you say nah i can't really do that i think there's been enough talent here i think there's been enough time here where i can't really do that anymore
2: yeah
1: and and that is a kind of slippery slope because you look at last year, the injuries were, I mean, damn near historic, the amount of injuries they had. Then you look at this year, like you say, the loss of Ronnie, uh, you know, after him missing games, came back, lost them again. You know, Bateman was obviously a huge um, uh, loss in the, the receiving core and they didn't really have a lot. Um, a a huge amount of talent at that position to begin with. So, you know, it makes it difficult to fully grade anybody. But then at the same time, if you give him a pass hoping for full health, then you might as well just start giving out passes every year because you're never going to be fully healthy. It's never going to be all the way. Right. You know, the, the, the circumstances are never going to be a hundred percent ideal. Um, and I just look at the top offices in the league and that's what this team should aspire to be. Um, look at Kansas city towards the end of, um, was it last year? It might've been last year. Um, that no it was the year before uh when they were making their playoff run uh you know they lost offensive lineman after offensive alignment by the time they actually got to the Super Bowl um I I think both tackles were gone, you know the center was hurt. Um but it that was a team that you were anticipating scoring thirty. That was a team that uh if you ask them, they would expect to score 30 plus and they would expect to do that because of the infrastructure that they have, have, um, as far as the offensive system, as far as Andy Reid, as far as the talent that Patrick Mahomes is and those things, um, you, you mix and match everywhere else when, when it's not ideal, you know, you may mix in a receiver here, a tight end there, you know, maybe, you know, your, your pass protection isn't what it would be if you had both of your starting tackles, but it's still enough to get the job done, and these guys are still out there expecting to be one of the top offices in the league, if not the top office in the league. That's where Baltimore has to get to. They have to have the infrastructure uh, as far as the offensive system. They have one of the best players in the NFL, at quarterback, and they have to get to a point where – damn near regardless of who's lining up they feel good about their chances to to be a consistent offense that puts up points on a weekly basis and and, you know gives the other team hell and i just think that a new voice is going to be required in order for them to to reach that level and i think that's the level that they they should be trying to reach
0: Agreed. you want to be the best or certainly among the best offenses in the league. That's your goal. You want to score more points than everybody else out there. That that should be the goal. And I'm sure that is the goal. Um, all right. So I think I had that question. We kind of wanted to throw the other side of that. Oh, here's the other thing. So uh, we'll do another round on this kind of g topic. I'll start with you again on this, Chris. Now, you don't have to name specific names unless you want to name specific names. But I thought this part is always is always good to see Um, because if if this happens, if this thing really progresses, whether like I said, whether it happens in season, which I think is unlikely or it happens at the end of the season, which I think is probably a little bit more likely, uh, just like with Mike McDonald, we'll have an opportunity to hear about all of the candidates and and talk about different guys. Uh, But we can do that here if you guys want, if you have specific names you want to throw in. But I'm really the question I really wanted to ask is just we talked about a little bit this offline what kind of offense would you want to see here? I think we all have talked about how, because of who is making the hire and the kinds of things that he believes in, uh, you know, we're talking about the head coach, John Harbaugh, <laughs> that whoever comes in here is probably going to be somebody that has similar philosophical beliefs. And if we're talking about offensive, uh, the, the offensive coordinator, it's probably going to be somebody that pri- prioritizes the run game it's probably going to be somebody who, uh, who wants to take shots in the passing game. Um, maybe not so much of a dink and dunk kind of thing or, or a ball control kind of passing offense, but who wants to, to use play action and take shots. Um, they're probably going to believe in some of those things, those same things philosophically, unless you know, you know you, you get one of those rare things, I think it's rare anyway, where a head coach is willing to kind of go with a coordinator who's a departure from some of the things that he believes in philosophically i just don't think you see that a whole lot in the nfl and i, I don't know that we would see it with john harper paul i mean I and, I and i say those things just because i'm i'm looking at what we've seen on the field i mean we've seen them since 2008 we've seen these teams you know we can talk about the different players and the different coordinators but the constant has been helped and when you look at these teams the, the, the philosophical approach is similar, bit similar, in my opinion. It's run the ball, prioritize running the ball, prioritize stopping the run on defense, and prioritize special teams. I think that's what those things that he believes in. I'm not saying those are the only things, but I think those are kind of the core things he believes in. And I think he looks for coordinators who have similar beliefs to him, which makes sense. When you're hiring these people to carry out kind of the way that you want your team to look. And the way you want your team to play the style, so it makes sense. Uh, okay, long winded way. So, Chris, what kind of offense would you want to see here? And again, like I said, if you got any, if you, if you got a specific name you want to throw out there, <laughs> you can certainly do it.
3: Yeah, I mean, the first name that jumps up is Marty Morningwig. <laughs> 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 oh, no, but um, seriously
0: unsubscribe (laughs) turn off
2: notifications
3: (laughs) oh no but seriously I, i would like to see just uh you know more more utilization of the whole field of the entire field because to me lamar jackson in space would terrify defensive coordinators and defenders you know if you look at the eagles and there's so much space in that offense and it opens up so many so many rushing lanes not only for jalen hurts but also for the running backs i mean we saw miles sanders have a career day last week on on sunday night football or monday yeah sunday night football and i just think more space and and utilization of uh, of every part of the field if you can and I, i think when we look at the ravens offense everything is for the most part. I mean, obviously they spread things out here and there, but for the most part, everything is so condensed. And to me, it just, it feels like you're, you're kind of helping the defense out a little bit. Like it's like a, a basketball player who doesn't go left. When somebody's playing defense on you, that makes, I mean, the defender that that makes their job so much easier. Cause they know you're not going to go left. They know you're only going to go right. And, I think defenses do that when they when they go up against the Ravens it's like we see them dare the Ravens to try to go over the top and you know the, the Ravens whether that's a personnel thing, a personnel issue, whether it's just, you know, the way that they just want to operate, whatever it is, it, it that's not really it's not really relevant in this situation because that's just who they are. You know, we've had four years of this offense. That's who they are. And the the GM has, he's had time to implement, you know, the kind of personnel that he wants. And he hasn't really gone out of his way to really attack those, those weaknesses. Uh, I know he's, you know, gone through the draft, but we look at this year and, there was really no attempt to replicate the speed that, that the Ravens lost with Hollywood. And, you know, that's just reinforcement that, you know, yeah, they're comfortable playing this style. But I think just to take that next step, you, you not completely go away from it, but you have to be more open to the the possibility of it and and just want to open things up for Lamar. And, and I think it would make life so much easier for him too, to just open up the, the field and not have everything so congested and uh, a guy that you know I, I didn't bring up this isn't my original idea this is a uh, Ben Solak who's you know a big-time Eagles fan he does a, a bunch of great work uh, when it comes to prospects and just breaking down the NFL in general and uh, somebody asked him who would he like to see uh, be paired with Lamar as far as being his next O.C. And he brought up the Eagles quarterback coach, uh, Brian Johnson, who, you know, if if you look at his resume, uh, he's worked with, you know, a, a ton of mobile quarterbacks. Uh, you go back to Mississippi State, he was Dak Prescott's uh, quarterback coach. Um, you go back to, uh, what do you call it, uh, Florida, he worked with child, Kyle Trask. Uh, who put up some really, really crazy numbers there. And then uh, Felipe Franks, too, who, who also had a good year at Florida. And, and you know, now he, the last two seasons, he's been working with Jalen Hurts, who's, you know, in the mix for MVP this year. So I, I think working with a guy like that, coming from that type of offense where they're not just, oh, we throw it all around. You know, the, the Eagles there are heavy, heavy uh um, for the, with the run game. And that's... I, I do not want the Ravens to go away from the run game and become this pass-happy team. That is not what I want. But what I do want is heavy emphasis on the run, but also the willingness to attack every blade of grass on the field. And I think just from what I see from the Eagles, I, I think they do a good job of that. Now, granted, they have... You know, they have uh, two bona fide wide receivers there and a hell of a tight end there as well. So, you know, obviously they have different personnel than the Ravens do, but I think that philosophical approach that they have, I think that's something I would like to see for the Ravens. And
0: I think that's at the heart of this. The philosophy, that that approach, that's at the heart of this because you you touched on some stuff there that I think that part is going to be fascinating to me because you've got a head coach who wants to play a certain kind of way. And I think it's the way that you describe, Chris, what we've seen here historically. You've got a GM who was raised in picking players to fit that style of play. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he grew up in the organization. He worked under Ozzie. Ozzie also, you know, I think believed in playing a certain kind of way. And so tried to build a team from a roster construction standpoint that fit that style of play. So you've got all of that infrastructure that looks at the game that way. But yet you have this quarterback that really has the ability to be one of the I mean, he already is, but continue to be one of the most dynamic and dangerous space players in the game. So to me, it's that 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 philosophy, and I'll come to you, Kerry, It's it's that battle of philosophy where you say, do we want to line up with big personnel, condensed formations, bring everybody to the party, get physical, move you off the ball, or create angles, create creases so that we can hit one of those creases, and you know maybe it's you no know, five yards, four yards, three yards, but then it's boom you know, 40 hours, you know, something like that. Or do you want to create space, create, manipulate, and attack space? We got this whole field, like Chris said, we can use. We don't have to condense it down and bring everybody to the party to still run the ball. There's different ways to run the ball, right? We can run it the way that the Ravens do, and obviously that, that has its advantages and has been effective. But you can also run it with more of a mind to create an attack space and get people who maybe are bigger body types out in space who aren't as comfortable being out in space right or even if you've got you know smaller more athletic body types defending that space you've literally got them in space they've got physical they've got you know more physical area that they have to cover and be responsible for so that's a that's always been a real fascinating because i you know I think that's part of how Giro thinks about offense is, you know, he talks about it, numbers, angles, and grass. You know, he, that those are the things that, that you know, he, he thinks about uh, in terms of building the offense. But his approach to it is more of a bigger body type condensed, let's get everybody up in there, and, you know, we're kind of going to bang this thing out as opposed to what Chris is describing with the Eagles, and we've seen it with other teams around the league too, where it's more about let's spread things out a little bit more, and then let's just take advantage of all of the space that we have that we can use with all the different athletes that we have and stress teams that way. So I don't know, Kerry, man, what type of offense would you want to see here? I started thinking about that stuff, and I'm like, I can see the advantages and disadvantages of both ways of doing that. Uh, Obviously, we've seen it here when it's really, really good. Like when it's done at its highest level, we've seen what that can look like here and how good that can be. Um, but then you look around the league and you look at teams that are doing it the other way at the highest level and you see how good that can be. So, I don't know, I'm torn. What kind of offense do you want to see here, Kay?
1: <laughs> yeah, so for me, I'm totally fine with it being a more run centric um, Offense. Like, I have no issue with that. Um, and I'm pretty open, kind of schematically, as far as what type of offense it would be. Uh, what I'm looking for um, from the offense going forward is one that, uh, you know, you don't have to sling it all over the field, but you need to be efficient when you do it. Um, you need to take the players you have and maximize what they do best put them in the best positions to succeed. Um, That's something I don't think we really see here uh, as often as we would like to see. Um, And then, you know, when we talk about space, I I mentioned on a pod earlier this year, um, the Browns, the Raiders this year, uh, the Eagles this year, um, especially now with um, what Goddard being out, you see the Eagles shifting some more um, three wide sets. They are gashing people in the run game out, out of out of the three wide receiver sets. I mean, just gashing people. So you know, just because you go spread doesn't mean that you want to be soft and you want to throw it all over the place. Um, there's an advantage to be had running out of that that personnel grouping. So uh, just leveraging things, you know. You know, there's still a team that doesn't throw to the running back at all. There's an advantage to that, especially if you're doing it on first down. Things like that, just um, a, a cohesiveness, and, you know, a feel. Like when you watch um, the Eagles play, when you watch the Dolphins play, um, when you watch some of these teams play, um, there is a cohesion there. You know, there is, you can tell that – the play caller and the quarterback and uh, the players in the system are all on the same page. They understand what they're being asked to do, uh, and they get put in uh, positions that maximize uh, what they do best. And they leverage some of the new kind of opportunities that we see that uh, create advantages. You know, throwing on first down, throwing to the running back. You know, some of these things. Like I said running out of uh, three wide receiver sets. Some of these things that uh, teams have kind of caught on to um, having advantages by doing these things, we don't see the Ravens doing it as much. So that's something I would like to see regardless of whatever the style of offense is. Uh, But another thing I wanted to hit on is, like you said, same guy that's making this call as far as who the office of coordinator is going to be, that's a bigger conversation we're going to have to have. Um, and I think back to, and this is my personal opinion as far as when they hired Kubiak, I think that was a uh an Ozzy Newsom and Steve Bashadi decision. I don't think that was a John Harbaugh decision. Because if we go back and we look at that there were names that were put out there uh, as far as people that they were going to bring in an interview. And I, I don't remember the name specifically, but I remember it being kind of an underwhelming group and there was kind of a pause. And then all of a sudden we heard that they were talking to Kubiak. And then the kind of excuse after the fact w- was, well, we didn't know that he still wanted the coach. And I'm thinking that's, the stupidest, craziest thing I've ever heard in my life—that a—that a team that that you know, un, you know, will look under every stone to try to find talent will not check in with a, a a guy as established as him to see what it is he wants to do, and so that's my interpretation of that. Was that was them kind of looking at. Who Harbaugh wanted to bring in and thinking, nah, this is this isn't enough, and kind of you know forcing his hand. So maybe that hand needs to be forced again. Maybe there's a guy out there that's doing TV right now mm. that um, you know if we want to get a little spicy would make it so you have an offensive system in place that's ideal regardless of what would happen in the future with other coordinators. Because, you know, it's this, kind of the same thing. You, we brought Kubiak in, but then Kubiak gets the Denver job, and then you're kind of back to square one. And, again, you don't have an offensive infrastructure that, that you can really uh, hang your hat on at this point. I mean, you have it, but it, it's one that is not – um, paying the dividends that they want to see it paid. So, you know, say you hire whoever it is, maybe even say it's Brian Johnson and his upward trajectory, say he does great that first year, he could be on the fast track to be a head coach somewhere. And in a year, maybe two years, he's out of the door. Okay, now, now what do we do? So at some point there has to be Um, You know, a bigger conversation um, as far as what is the direction of this offense, especially when you have a player as talented as Lamar Jackson is, you know, it's time to lay some real roots with him, with this offense and the direction of it going forward. And, you know, it it needs to be stabilized. It needs to be solid. But, you know, it's going to be some difficult decisions and difficult conversations to have going forward
0: and that is a difficult conversation you gotta you gotta really put on your big boy pants to have that one because you know it's like um it's like being in the kiddie pool with the g-roll conversation anybody can talk about that right that's that's the shallow end of the pool like oh yeah let's splash around down here you know we ain't got to worry about whether we actually know how to swim or not you know because it's like he's very polarizing and, and maybe John Harbaugh is, too, to some extent, for some people. I mean, I'm not going to pretend like I haven't seen people out there who, who, who've been like, hey, it's time to move on from him either. But I think there's probably more of a minority of people who feel that way than they do about Giro. And so to have that conversation about John Harbaugh and kind of where uh, things stand with him and the, the vision for where you think this team is, um, where you want this team to go. And that's something I heard on that that uh, GM podcast on the athletic Because I think the way one of the guys phrased the question on there is, hey, are we kind of, with this potential shakeup at offensive coordinator, are we kind of at a, a crossroads or a pivotal, a pivotal point in Lamar Jackson's career? And the other guy was like, no, nah, I think we're at a pivotal point in the Ravens, the team's, you know, sort of future. Mm -hmm. and and where they're going to go and what they're going to be. Yep. Um, It's bigger than just the offensive coordinator. So that was interesting. So I think there are definitely some drum beats out there. You know, we've talked about that for years with with, um, stuff happening in the preseason, right? You hear about guys in camp and you start, you know, playing well, making plays. You start to hear that drum beat of positivity. It might be a drum beat In some other ways because i think there was also that Jocena anderson tweet a while back about you know one of the longest tenured coaches in the league who long, might be you know thinking about stepping away from the game or whatever (laughs) so you know that could mean anything i mean harbaugh is not the only guy that's coached for a long but he's he's in that he's in that group of the longest tenured guys currently in the league so she obviously wasn't specified any particular person but i'm just saying it might be a little bit of a drum beat out there um maybe with some of this stuff. And, you know, there's still obviously a lot of this season that has to unfold and, and what that looks like and how that shakes out um, will obviously, you know, weigh heavily on some of these decisions and some of these conversations. But um, I'll throw my name in there real early just because I think he's a guy that we've all talked about. There's a bunch of other guys out there, but he's on staff and it's just a guy I think I'd like to see get another opportunity. Uh, it's T. Martin. I mean, I think when they brought T here, uh to coach the wide receivers he's a guy that kind of has that pedigree uh, where he's done uh he's called plays before i know he's called plays in high school i know he called plays briefly there at usc um maybe only for a season because uh, a bunch of people got fired after that one season under Clayton. Um, but you know he's he's done it at the high school level he's done it at the college level um you know he's obviously coached wide receivers i think he's also had like some associate Head coach titles and some of the other stops that he's had. So he's a guy that just when you were mentioning that last point, Carrie, you're like, okay, well, if you get a guy who's really on that upper trajectory, maybe he's here for a year and then he's gone. I think T would be a guy who could probably grow a little bit here. Um, or maybe you could have a season or two or three, um, you probably don't want to look beyond two. It's probably foolish to look at anything beyond two years in the NFL. So, so
2: maybe two <laughs> years,
0: uh, where you have him as your offensive coordinator, and um, you know, see what his vision of the offense looks like. And you know, uh, by all accounts, he's a guy who, well respected by players, good relationship with players, um, willing to listen and and be open to players. I mean, we heard him at. His presser uh, around the bye when they let all the position coaches talk. And he made that comment about how, you know, the wide receivers are sometimes talking about routes and they're like, hey, we think we can do it like that. And he's like, hey, Lamar said, do it like this. And he's like, hey, do what he says. Do what Lamar <laughs> <says>. <laughs> Lamar wants you to run it that way. That's it. He's like, I might even say, hey, I want you, you know, maybe you should think about doing this or doing that. And they're like, well, Lamar said that. Hey, you know what? If Lamar said that, do what he says. Just <laughs> do To do it, um, so that was just a little glimpse uh, to me of a guy who's who's already got that kind of mindset that you want to see. Like, hey, this whole thing on offense, really, this team, it all revolves around quarterback. It all revolves around him, and so we we got to find a way to to put him in those positions to succeed that Kerry talked about, and to to be able to help him to reach his potential which is really still unlimited. I mean, the guy won an MVP in his first full season as a starter. So we, <laughs> this guy really is still the limit uh, for, for what he can be and how good he can be. So T is a guy who I'd like you know, to see maybe get an opportunity. But we we, we don't want to put the cart before the horse. Great uh, Roman is still the offensive of coordinator. There hasn't been any changes or um, you know, really any, any hint other than you know preliminary talks between him and Stanford. Uh, that there
2: could be a change imminent. So, you know, we'll
3: see. Yeah. We'll see I, how it goes. I think I think Kerry brought up a really great point about that whole Gary Kubiak situation and how um, uh, Steve Biscotti and uh, Ozzie stepped in. And, you know, I, I remember that, that there were being whispers about that, you know, those guys really just took this decision and it was like, no, this is – Gary Kubiak is going to be our guy. And, you know, piggybacking on what Kerry said, this could be a similar situation because, like you said, Mike, they're they're at a crossroads right now, you know, with Lamar and free agency. You know, this is a a pivotal moment in the – well, this is going to be a pivotal moment in the Ravens' future. And, you know, they have to press the right button so it can't just be – oh, yeah, you know, me and this dude used to pile around when we were at the Eagles, so I'm going to hire him. You know, like, they're going to take this and, and be like, no, we have to get the guy that's going to be, you know, the answer for us the way they did with Kubiak. So I, I think that's something that I know I hadn't thought of that. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a really great point.
0: It's an excellent point, And it just shows great minds think alike because, you know, Gary brought that up and then, you know, uh, just the way that it timed up with um, the special job opportunity for Greg robin, you know, at Stanford. And um, they mentioned something along that point. So maybe, you know, maybe they've been, they've been in, in, in Gary's DMs, picking his brain. What the <laughs> like they mentioned I was kind of a crossroads for the organization, just not, you know, not like a crossroads for like the markets. Just because of the contractual situation at the point that they're in, they say it's easy to look at it like that and feel like, hey, that's the real, um, you know, pivot, pivot point right now. But he's like, really? No, it's the whole organization. And he made the point that, hey, I think they may have realized that they had more holes than they thought. This wasn't just about Lamar and trying to get a deal done with them there might be more holes on this roster than they realized Mm. they might kind of be seeing that unfold this year a little bit and so if you feel like there's more to this thing than just getting a long-term deal done with Lamar if you to Carrie's point if you say you know what John we have seen this this style whether with Greg Roman, or the guy that you had in before. We've seen this style. And we feel like this style, although it's been good and it's had moments, it's not getting us ultimately to where we're trying to go. And so it's the definition of insanity, right? We're we'll going to keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Maybe we need to try something different that can get us kind of to that next level. This level's been good. We've been competitive. We've been a playoff team. That's where it all starts. Got to get into dance to even have an opportunity. But, you know, obviously the goal here is is more than just getting in the playoffs. It's one championship. So, Kerry, Kerry, as usual, is usually ahead of most most of us on this kind of thing. He might be out there ahead of us on this one, too, where maybe it's like, hey, you know what? This has been good. Not taking anything away from that. But we're trying to get to great. and how do we go from good to great so yeah I mean
1: you said that you said uh, the biggest thing is uh, defining the ceiling and so have we reached that ceiling with this coaching staff as currently constructed and if so then you know we have to have that real difficult conversation and decide hey You know, maybe it's time to do something different, especially at this juncture with what's on the line, with what's going on with Lamar and his contract situation. And, you know, we were having a conversation in one of the other group chats about it earlier. This has to be a Lamar hire. You know, this can't be a a Harbaugh hire. This has to be a Lamar hire. This has got to be a guy that's going to be joined at the hit with Lamar they have to be a cohesive unit in order for this to work to the level that ultimately they want it to work. And that's to be, you know, a championship level team that, that, that has to be the, the, the the focal point of this decision. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I'm not calling for anybody to get fired. I'm, you know, just, (laughs) just throwing it out there that, you know, that has to be weighed in this in this decision, um, because, you know, for, if you like I said, you bring in any um, office or coordinator out there, you know, especially if there's a hot name. They get there, you know, they take off and, you know, do good things, which I mean, you have Lamar Jackson, you're probably going to do some good things on offense if you know what you're doing. It's going to put whoever that is on the fast track for a head coaching job. And so that person comes in, lights it up, leaves. John Harbaugh is not an offensive coach. He's not, <laughs> you know, going to be able to drive that ship in that way. So, you know, you have to have some, some conversations about, you know, what that role looks like.
2: Yeah, and
0: I think you gotta have that kind of self awareness. I think if you're him, you've got to have that kind of that level of self awareness to know that, hey, um, yeah, I've been around the game and I've been around a lot of good coaches. And it's not that he doesn't know offensive football, but I think you have to kind of step outside of yourself and say, Well, I have a certain style that I wanna play. And I think if you're like you guys mentioned, if you're Bashati, if you're Eric DaCosta, Obviously, you respect that he's the head coach. That's why he's in that position. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have him in that position if you didn't respect his ability to discern those kinds of things and, and hire the appropriate person. But if you, as you talk to him, if you get the feeling that, hey, when you say, I want to play a certain kind of way, and you know here's some guys I'm looking at, and if you, you leave that conversation thinking, okay, well, the certain kind of way is what we've seen you know, then you've got to maybe ask yourself, okay, maybe that, that level of self-awareness isn't quite where, where it needs to be. Um, because you, you do have to kind of, you know, sometimes help, you know, so we all have blind spots. It's human nature. We all have blind spots. Um, no matter what our experience is or, or how, um, you know, self-aware we think we are, how broadly we think we see things, everybody has blind spots. And so, you know, could it, could it be a blind spot where, you have something unique in terms of uh, the player that Lamar Jackson is. And, you know, I think it it, it got me. I'll, I'll say it like this. I won't, I, won't, I won't say it as if, you know, it was some kind of thing that nobody else saw. But I know it, it fooled me, right, because when he came in and we kind of saw how they they constructed the offense, and I'm thinking, okay, yeah, no, nah, this is cool. And then we, you started to see, you know, because they had, you know, that success you know, pretty early on especially in the 2019, you started to see all the stories written about you know, how unique this was for them to really construct this offense specifically tailored to what Lamar does well. And I didn't really think about it until it was maybe this that last offseason, like, like Chris said, when I was in my need for speed phase. <laughs> and I was like, you know who else really fits this offense? John Harbaugh. Because <laughs> <John laughs> out of the ball. And he wants to play good defense. And he wants <laughs> to take shots off Play action, play action down the field. I was like, you know what? <laughs> they might have tailored this thing to their head coach, too. so <laughs> I was like, kudos. No, 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 you know, not taking anything away from them uh for realizing, you know, the kinds of things that Lamar could, could have success doing right away. You know, as he continued to develop into an NFL quarterback. Good for them. You know that that they realized that. But then I'm like, you know what? This isn't really that big of a departure from the way that he wants to play. The way he wants to play, it may look a little bit different because the guy running the ball isn't isn't you know uh, Jamal Lewis, right? It's not the traditional running back uh, who's getting the bulk of the carries in the running game. It's your quarterback, and we're seeing different kinds of runs, different styles of runs, but it's still the run game, and really at its core, it's not even that different, you know. Um, than, than some of the, the the stuff that he and apparently giro and you know kind of guys off of that uh that lineage believe in. You know, it's pretty much cap scheme run game at its core. It's just quarterback doing it. So <laughs> I don't know that it's all that different um at, at its core. When you strip away, you know, all of the kind of stuff on the outside that can make it look like it's something new and different. It's really not. So I think it does come back to can you get him? Can he have that level of self awareness on his own to say, I've got to do something different? Or this organization is never going to get to where I want it to get to, where we want it to get to. Or will he need, you know, sort of the people above him in the organizational hierarchy to help him see it that way? That's okay. going to be fascinating.
1: Yeah. My, here, here's yeah. what you do, Mike. Within the year, you, you ask Harbs, you know, Bashadi and DeCosta, they sit down with him and they ask him what are the things he wants to see change and improve in the offense. You ask him for a list of candidates that he's interested in. And if you see any name on that list that doesn't fit what that direction is, when he leaves the facility you change the locks and don't let them back in
2: the <laughs>
1: you see urban meyer on that list you change, oh, the, lock, you, you change the locks and you don't let him back in the building
0: you no. you've got to. you got to make your that conversation we're not even talking at that point if his name is on the list you're out of here you're gone <laughs> if you're trying to let urban meyer up anywhere near lamar jackson yeah, you you got still go. uh I don't. <laughs> it'd be like the lockout, right? That lockout year when dudes was coming up to the building, from the door. <laughs> That's how it'd be for our like, "Man, my key card don't work no more. I don't understand what's going on." Nah, man, you're done. We saw your list. You're done. But th- that would be interesting to see that, and I, I imagine they do something similar. um But I, I like independently, um, you know, because I this is, this is a bad analogy. Was the only this is the first thing that came to my mind. It was like my wife and I when we. We bought this house a couple of years ago. We had this house built, and so there's like all this um, sort of basic stuff that comes with the house. But then there's a ton of like add-ons, right? You can have this, you can have this kind of flooring, you can have this kind of thing. Your door can be four panel, six panel. There's all of this shit right, that you can choose from. And they give you like a whole list of stuff. And so what a lot of people do, they said, is you know the husband and wife, or significant other partner, whatever they they sit down they look at the list together and they kind of go through and check and they have a little conversation I want this I want that we went separate I said hey Mm. you do the list you do yours I'm gonna do mine and then we're gonna come back together and then we're gonna look at what we had and then we'll try to come to some kind of consensus um and by consensus anybody out there who's been married knows she's going to end up getting the bulk of what she wants. And I'm going to lose <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but anyway, in this scenario, I like that idea of, hey, John, you make a list of candidates. I'm going to make a list of candidates as DaCosta. Ozzy, obviously, yeah. is still going to have a voice in this. I'm going to make a list of candidates. Hey, Steve, you make a list of candidates. you the damn owner. You're writing checks. You make a list of
2: candidates. <laughs>
0: and then let's let's come together and then let's take a look you know, at the names that we have there and really the philosophy, you know, the names and the philosophies, because the Exodus the and old part is important, but really the person, like we talk about all the time, even with the draft stuff, same thing is going to be true with the coaching. The person is going to be the most important part. Yeah. You know, yeah. what, kind of, who are you bringing in in terms of leadership, in terms of being able to build relationships with Lamar and the other players? Um, that's going to be the most important part so the scheme part's important for sure but the person part's going to be even more important that that kind of thing i think i definitely trust Bashadi probably almost as much as anybody in that group probably Ozzy too i don't know if i trust Eric, but anyway um,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: steve because he's got a career in human resources and in hiring and making hiring decisions so i know that he's at least got that experience um ozzy i just i just trust because i just think he has a a great feel for people and, and being able to read people and really kind of see through BS and fluff and see, okay, who is this person? Who, who, who is this person really is at his core, her core? I think he's really good at that. So, yeah, it would be interesting to see how that all shakes out. But,
3: you know, this is going to
0: be... It, I'm looking forward to the feedback we get from this because I think people who listen are gonna be like, man, they're talking like they're getting ready to fire the OC, they're getting ready to fire the Hick.
2: <laughs>
0: they talking this is, they talking about this team like it's the Texans. <laughs> they seven and four and still leading their division right now. So yeah, it's not that doom and gloom conversation, but I think that crossroads point that we've all kind of talked about here in in our own separate ways, I think that's real. I think there's an organizational oh, yeah. sort of crossroads, you know, kind of happening with this season, and um, these kind of conversations and decisions are gonna have to, gonna have to, you're know, gonna have to hold the conversations and and ultimately make the decisions as yep. to where you think this team can go. So that's all I got. You guys want to touch on anything else? I mean, I think we we talked that thing through.
3: Ooh, we hit on a lot.
0: We sure did. That's what we do here people know. We've been away for a whole while, so you had to know that when we came back, you was gonna get like an hour thirty. <laughs> so hour forty five. You had to know that was coming. And that's like regular anyway. Even though we have been a little bit faster this year, but you had to know that this was coming when we've been away for a while just because 'cause it's been a lot to talk about. And that topic itself is one that um, you know, there's a lot to unpack.
1: Yeah. Yeah, topic. a lot of layers to that man, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we could have we could have Bree through it and did a little light conversation on they just touched on the stanford thing and um you know a little surface level stuff should he stay should he go why but i i think it's a it's a topic that deserves the nuance that we gave it and you know i think you led led that conversation well and 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 hit both sides of it you know it's not uh um, bag on Giro because I, again I think Giro's a good coach I think he's a good coordinator uh, you know my overall thought was when he first got the job and started with this we were told it was going to be built around Lamar as it as it kept going we were told more and more that they were gonna you know build it from the ground up specifically around him and now we're a few years in and I'm, and, and, you know, I'm just like, okay, there's clearly a ceiling on this from, from my, uh, for my, my particular opinion is there is, there's a ceiling on this. And so, um, you know, I, I, am I'm, I'm ready for something that, that doesn't have
0: a ceiling on it. I think that's an important way to look at it too. Um, I use another, house analogy because I think you're right. I think they talked about what their plan was with them. And I think part of that plan, they've lived up to their their work. You know, so again, the, the house analogy I'm thinking this time it's like, all right, I'm I'm I got this house and um I want to fix it up, right? Or I want to or I'm building a house. Let me let me use that because I don't <laughs> make it look like it's a fixer upper. Uh, so I'm building a house and I'm gonna have all these different rooms And I'm going to start with my kitchen, right? My kitchen it's going to be bomb. I'm going to have everything. Granite countertops, highest end stainless appliances. I'm going to have a a daggone, what they call that thing over the stove, your your pasta pot with the little extension arm that comes out of the water. Mm. (laughs) I'm going to have everything Mm. in the daggone kitchen that you can think of, right? But the rest of the rooms are just like contractor-grade paint contractor-grade carpet. I've done nothing else in any of the other rooms, right? So one part of it, the running game piece, and how you can build a running game around him that suits his unique ability as a runner, we built the hell out of it. That. That's that bomb kitchen. That's yeah. got everything. Yeah, It's got all the bells and whistles. That's probably as good as it can get. But the passing game of those, of those other rooms, <laughs> you know what I mean? A, they still a, got this a, stuff. A dungeon. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah they still got the other, they, they still got the other stuff uh, that came with it you know that the contractor put in there's been no upgrades, there's been no enhancements we haven't done anything in those rooms or I don't want to say anything because that's not how I 100 percent feel about it. We haven't done as much in those rooms as we did in the kitchen so to your point, Carrie, basically what I thought I was being told was we're going to make everything look like the kitchen.
2: Mm -hmm. The whole
0: house, every room in the house is going to look like the kitchen. There's not going to be a room you walk in where you feel like this room is less than the other rooms. But I don't think that's what we have right now. I think we got that kitchen. Kitchen is as good as it can get. (laughs) But the other rooms still leave a little bit to be desired. And it's like, okay, maybe I'm not the right person for that. You know, whether I'm the, the, the architect or the designer, interior designer, whatever my role is, I'm not one responsible for, you know, making everything look, you know, top shelf. If I can only do kitchens, maybe I got to get somebody else in here who can do bathrooms or get somebody else who can do family rooms or do whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I got to get somebody else up in here <laughs> to do the other parts at this house. Because G-Row, hey, he's the kitchen guy. Get you a good kitchen. Real good kitchen. Top shelf kitchen.
3: Yep. And and, and uh, along those same lines, like if you're going to be spending uh, so much draft capital on wide receivers, don't you want guys like an a, a offensive mind who can maximize those guys and help develop those players? Because we've seen, I mean, Hollywood, I would say was a hit uh bateman so far when he's on the field he looks like a hit he doesn't look like a, a scrub but then you have the miles boykins you have the tylen wallace you have the james crochet and it's like we we don't see the the utilization or or you know and you know even with look at devon duvernay i mean he's a guy we've seen he's talented but then you look at his career so far, and the talent doesn't match up with the production so far. And it's like you should bring a guy in who can help elevate these young guys that you're drafting and spending this you know fairly high draft capital on. yeah, so
0: you gonna give me going on another another thirty minutes here because. To me, that, that's kind of a pretty – just to me, maybe you guys don't see it that way, but to me, that's been like a pretty clear disconnect, right? Yes. I'm drafting yes. these kinds of players, but you're running this kind of offense yeah. that doesn't utilize the kinds of guys that I'm drafting. And I don't – you couldn't – You. it would be hard for you to convince me that Eric DaCosta had the way these guys have been used, envisioned when he drafted Right. <laughs> that would be hard for me to believe that he said, you know what? Tyler's going to come in here and he's going to be a core special team."
3: Man. I, I saw, I saw, <laughs> I, saw a, I saw a, a, a quote. It was a, a old quote after the draft, uh, from, uh, Greg Roman and it was something along the lines uh, after they took Bateman and Wallace. And it was something along the lines where, the, where he said that, um, Wait till you see them in this offense, and I wanted to punch a hole through my <laughs> damn laptop. What
0: well, are you trying? He's trying to be honest with you. He's like, "Look, wait till you see them running down." <laughs> wait till you see it, Chris. You ain't never seen nobody run down and cover a
2: bucket.
0: He was trying to tell you. You just wasn't ready to receive it. See. But to me, again, that's that same thing with the house analogy thing. Like, okay, Greg Roman, he wants he wants the Viking, you know, six burner stove. He wants the sub-zero fridge. He wants these great big appliances, great big bodies, big appliances. And your EDC, you come into him with, you know, the 65-inch 4K plasma. You come into him with the stuff for the other rooms. You know, I got the bamboo, natural bamboo floors. I'm bringing all this. And he's like, nah, no, no, I don't want none of that. Go get me the fridge. Go get me the stove. <laughs>
2: yep.
0: And he's like, No, 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 you already got that. I already bought you that. It's time to move on to the other rooms, man. We got to start doing these other rooms. He's like, No, 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 no. I know you got, get me another fridge. Go get me two more fridges, as a matter of fact. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
2: I'm
0: going to put a fridge in every room. Give <laughs> me two more <laughs> fridges. And then Eddie EDC is like, No, nah, man, I'm. And give you some, some nice things and go in the other room and bring them up to the kitchen. And she was like, no, 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 no. That's not what we're trying to do here. So I have been confused by it because I'm like, there's there's not something's not connected here with the yeah, kinds of players.
2: Definitely. Particularly <laughs> <laughs> the <Definitely laughs> receiver and
0: how this guy wants to use those players in his offense. And, you know, you hit on it earlier, Chris, where you talked about Hollywood being the most recent guy to kind of, um you know, throw up the the flag. Like, you got to come get me, you know, throw out the rescue signal. You got to come get me out of here. Um, Because to me, that's another sign that, hey, when I'm talking to these scouts and I'm talking to the GL, this ain't what they was telling me. It wasn't supposed to be like this. (laughs) He said, Remember those comments where he said he told Lamar after the first year or second year, whatever it was. It was early on. He said, this ain't it.
2: This
0: ain't it. And to me, again, that's if you're reading between the lines, kind of reading the tea leaves, I was told one thing during the draft process. I got here and on the field and in the rooms, you know, in this office, this ain't what I was told. It, I ain't supposed to be doing this.
1: Yep. Yeah. So. And that's something that we we isolated to, you know, one player having an issue but you, you don't really see players kind of come out and be, you know, that demonstrative about their dis- dislike of an offense. You know, that's not something that we normally see. So, it, you know, it's, it's something that should have been, you know, a red flag that we probably should have seen, you know. And, and I think part of that is, like you said, he was probably told one thing, Coming in, and you know that never materialized. You know, DaCosta is going to get these Ferraris, and Giro is like, "Hey, man, how am I supposed to go to Home Depot in this Ferrari? <laughs> <laughs>
2: like,
1: I can't fit, the I back can't of fit no lumber in this. Like, what, <laughs> what, what are
0: we doing? I'm trying to buy another fridge. I can't put a fridge in the thing
3: of that. Dad's <laughs> hey, that, tried to tell us. He did. Yeah,
2: he
0: did. He did try to tell us. But that that Indeed. disconnect, that disconnect is something that has to be addressed. And yeah. maybe it was one of those things that hey, as long as we're winning games and competitive competitive enough to get into the playoffs and give ourselves that opportunity, or hey, is anybody's anybody's got a chance? Once you get into that, then we, we kind of kind of bury those things, kind of push them off to the side. Everybody knows they're there. We all know they exist, but we're kind of going to push them off to the side because we're winning enough to give ourselves a chance to compete for a championship. But I think it gets magnified when you're not winning, which like we saw last yeah. year. Now, losing Lamar turned that whole thing upside down. But to your point about Hollywood, again, we, we probably have to really research this. But, I mean, how many receivers coming off of a 1,000-yard season demand a trade? yeah get get me out of here i just had a you just had a thousand i know get me out of here
3: (laughs) (laughs) that that sounds like somebody that's not having fun yeah yeah it went about the numbers
0: and i think he tried to say that and maybe it didn't quite come out the way that he 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 meant it because people kind of beat him up over it where he said well what you know I, i didn't i wasn't having the kind of impact in the office that i wanted to have to me, would you, I'm, again, like I said, I could be on my on my conspiracy theory thing right now and just putting a bunch of stuff together that don't fit together at all. But when I thought about all of those things and heard the things that he said and uh, looked at the, the kinds of players that – I'm just like, you can't tell me that the GM and the scouts have one kind of vision and the coaching staff got a different kind of vision right now on offense. Can't tell me that that's not happening.
3: Because it just doesn't add up
0: any other way when you look at the players. Like, if if this is what we want to do, then go back to 19. Go get me four Miles Boykins. Why don't you Rashad Bateman for if this is what we want to do? Go get me Miles. Go get me another Miles (laughs) Boykins. You know what I'm saying? If this is what we want to do. So I'm just thinking it's one of those things where it's like, the winning is probably preventing some things from happening yep. up to a certain up to a certain yeah. point. You know, the first domino was probably winning. <laughs> it was probably the first domino. Um, and I really thought Giro might have been, you know, a casualty last year as well. But you probably look at what he did with Snoop and you say, "Oh shit, that ain't bad." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> He kept, kept his team relatively competitive, right, for the games that he was in, really, aside from that Bengals game. It was the only game that they got blown out in when Snoop took over. Everything else was there in terms of being like a one-score game. I believe I don't think there was another game they had that was like a, a double-digit or a two-score, three-score type game when Snoop took over. And then Andrews went on that crazy stretch where it was like a four or five, maybe even a six-game stretch where he put up the best numbers of his career with Snoop. So that probably bought Firo a little bit of time. Like, hey, if you can do that with your backup QB, your your undrafted free agent backup QB, maybe there's something there. But like you said, Chris, there was so much masking that because of all of the injuries and everything else that was going on, you you kind of say, All right, well, it'd be unfair, right? But Wayne was probably looking at that, which how come it ain't unfair to me? <laughs> <laughs> and we kind of later heard that that wasn't that wasn't just about what was happening on the field that was there was some personality stuff going on there as well um so there was a little bit more to probably that move and just what was going on defensively so dang hey, see i told you we we start we, we go on down that track we end up going like <laughs> 20 or 30 <laughs> minutes but that, that's yet another part of the discussion uh that again, these are just conversations. This is this is not about um, coming away with any kind of definitive answer. I don't know, hell, yeah. I have no idea. But
3: I don't I think the think Ravens that. know. <laughs>
0: doesn't doesn't for what we, what I just said in the last couple of minutes, it doesn't sound like it. But again, it just goes back to that whole, you know, notion of kind of there's no co- there's no cohesion, mm-hmm. there's no cohesiveness on that side of the ball beyond the run game. Like, all of that makes sense. We understand why all of that works the way it works and, and why they built it the way they built it and the players that they have uh, to make that go. But the other part, the offensive, uh, excuse me, the passing game part of that, it's just disjointed. You know, you got the pieces that should give you a more dynamic passing game, but they just haven't been, you know, utilized in a way that uh, give them the best opportunity to, to reach that potential, I don't think. So, I'm not saying that these guys, you know, James Brochet's and Tyler Wallace's and Devin Duvernays are gonna, um, you know, come in and light the world on fire. But we it's just the thing we don't know in this office We just don't know.
3: Right. Yeah. And I, we spoke about that a few weeks ago. We like we we don't know if these guys are good or not yeah. because they yeah. just don't get that the opportunity. I mean, if if yeah. you if you have a basketball player who's shooting the ball three times a game. I mean, uh, how can you ever tell if he's good or not? I mean, he he has three opportunities a game to show you that he can make a shot. And in the Ravens offense, they're lucky if they get one target. Because,
0: yeah. you know, the ball's going to other places. Like like Drewski, we know what Drewski can do. We <laughs> 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 you know what he can do. <laughs> We see, man. So and I'm not even hating on that because I'm like, look, hey, I get why he's out there. I really do. I probably get it more than, than a lot of people because of the pass protection and um kind of the, the way that he can affect defensive personnel. And so I also understand to balance that out, you gotta throw him the ball sometimes, right? Just 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 to keep that threat out there. You can't you can't just you know be out there and you never throw him the ball. So I get it. I definitely get, it. but uh, like you said, to your point, we just haven't been able to really see what these other guys can do, except for really kind of limited opportunities. And in some of those limit opp- limited opportunities, I think they've they've shown, you know, that there's 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 probably a little bit more there. I mean, we saw Tyler in that Bengals game last year, make some tough catches. We've seen Brochet in a couple of games, um, not as much this year, uh, but in a couple of games last year, make some make some catches. Obviously, Duvernay has progressed. He's he's gotten the most opportunity out of that group, you know, aside from you know the Hollywoods and the Batemans, that kind of next, you know, the next group of guys in their wide receiver room. He's gotten the most opportunities and we've seen uh some of his ability as well. You know, we certainly saw like Kerry talked about and you youtubers the early part of this season where he'll make contested catches. You know, um obviously we know about all the stuff you can do in the run game and the screen game, but he's shown he can make contested catches. He's shown that, you know, you can run, you know standard nfl wide receiver routes quick slants and stuff like that and just getting the ball is you know he, he can do that um yeah. so it's it's we just haven't seen uh the consistent opportunity uh, there it's like you flash it for a game we see that Bengals game because bateman's hurt he gets like 10 touches in a bunch of different creative ways and you're like hey let's let's just do this every week and you don't nope. see anything
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you don't see it again. You know what I'm saying? Until like this Jags game, where you mentioned Nicky, it, carried they kind of made more of a concerted effort uh, to make. But and then you hear the same thing in the pressers. Yeah, we got to do a better job. You're right. Somebody will ask a question, and that's the mm-hmm. answer. We got to do a better job. Now you're right. We gotta we gotta find more consistent ways to get him touches. Mm-hmm. That's me. I got to do a better job as an OC to make sure he stays involved. You know
3: what? It's a broken record. Yeah, I was gonna say
0: this it's it's
1: not that difficult. Like, hey, why, why? Especially when you're the one in charge of doing it. It's like the basketball <laughs> coach would say, Yeah, I gotta I gotta find some opportunities. You know, I would really like to see this guy play more. Well, who's in charge of him playing more? You. So do it. <laughs> it's not that difficult. Yeah, yeah. To me that's that's that, politi- that's that political answer, right?
0: Where you know you could do it, and for whatever reason, it's not happening. And so when you get asked about it, you just say, "Nah, you're right. I got to do a better job. And then you proceed to not do a better job.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you know, again, like I said, people will come back and say, well, you guys talking about giving these guys opportunities like they're going to turn into you know, Tyreek Hill or something. It's, it's not even about the comparison. It's just they're obviously talented. And to Chris's point, we we don't know how talent <laughs> because of the limited opportunity. So I'm like, hey, if we go through a season and you say we're gonna get these guys, we're gonna play them, first of all. We're gonna play offensive snaps. And we're gonna, it's gonna be more than like five or ten offensive snaps. It's gonna be you're you're gonna get what a wide receiver three in today's NFL, a wide receiver two in today's NFL, you're gonna get that kind of snap look. Right. And then I don't know that, you know, why receiver threes around the league are getting tons of opportunity. Uh, so I'm not saying you got to go crazy with that, but it's got to be more than like one or two targets every three or four games. It's got to be better than that. Right. Even if you're talking about two or three targets a game. I mean, that's not you can't tell me that you can't design. Obviously, they have packages. That, that's how these guys get in the game, right? They they they're part of certain packages, and you can't tell me you can't design a play. I'm not even going crazy. One play, <laughs> you can't tell me you can't design <laughs> one play <laughs> where it's it's this guy's the primary read in that play. You know what I'm saying? And I think we've seen that a couple times with Prochet. You can see certain certain concepts that are kind of really designed for him to get the ball, and then for whatever reason. Um, it just hasn't worked. Some of it's on him because I think there's been one or two opportunities where he, you know, he maybe didn't finish the route and uh, maybe catch more difficult than it had to be and wasn't able to come down with the ball. But, again, when you have such limited opportunities, that gets magnified. It's like, oh, remember, yeah, they ran that play. And he didn't catch it. Okay, yeah. man, we're not going to run another play for him for four weeks.
3: Yeah. And, awesome. and and I have another name that I would like to throw into the OC mix um, specifically for Tylen Wallace, I want Mike Gundy in this Ravens offense to get my boy the ball.
0: You got to bring in a man.
3: He's forty. Bring, well, maybe, in, a little, maybe a little, maybe, a, maybe a little bit older than that now. It's
0: probably a little bit beyond forty at this point. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: got to bring in a man. Yeah, at this point it's gonna take that and um Tyler Wallace's daddy gonna have to be a coach for him to get <laughs> him to get a we've seen
0: it. Yeah.
1: Oh, Odell has seen us the blueprint. Odell has
2: shown the blueprint now <laughs> Yeah on how to get your daddy involved. <laughs>. He showed the blueprint where not only
0: uh could he maybe get you some more involvement, he'll get you to a different team. I mean his daddy got him a super. Bowl. Super Bowl yeah you know, <laughs> let's just, just be honest. To to <laughs> so maybe that's that's what I don't I don't know. I don't know, Mr. Wallace. You know if he, he carries himself that kind of way, but uh you know he might have to put his foot down, put his foot down up in here and be like, hey man. <laughs> I saw him get ball. Y'all saw him play, right? Oklahoma State, y'all saw what he could do now. Y'all got him out there running down on butts. <laughs> Like that's all he does. Like, I'm not saying you should play special teams. Y'all know how I feel about special teams, but that's all he gonna do. That's it. Run down the punt. I don't know, man.
3: I don't know. So, hey,
0: anyway. boy, we could go on and on and on. Uh, <laughs> More rapid for us right here because, like I said, we can. This, this is. It's such a sense of frustration I think for Ravens fans and even Ravens fans like me that kind of like a lot, not a lot, a big portion of what Roman's offense is and what he does. It still can be frustrating because when you start to unpack some of this stuff, you're just like, yeah, yeah, what the hell, yeah? How come? <laughs> 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 you know, it just starts to to piggyback, you know, one one topic on the other uh so I, I i have to stop myself if i don't it'll just keep going on and on and on but hey man look we're, we're back in it it was good to get back it was good to talk to you guys and you know had this conversation and, and share these ideas share our thoughts our perspectives always appreciate everybody for listening and tapping in y'all know what to do listen subscribe click that notification bell check in with Carrie every week on his dk lineups and his sprinkle me plays the sprinkle me plays really been hitting too not just some of the plays in the lines, but the sprinkle meets. I don't know that you've missed on one of those yet. I think those. Are yeah, I think things. the
1: first one wasn't great, but I think every, every every other one has hit pretty much since then. Well, no, I, I missed with McKenzie, but I was a week early because he went off on the Thanksgiving slate. Yeah, so he kind
2: of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You were always yeah. the right
1: player. <laughs> But yeah, other than that, it's been I've been having some some good success, man. So definitely, I appreciate everybody that supports it, continue to um, support it. You know, I'm gonna continue to put the work in. Um, you know, I you know I tell the guys in the group chat all the time, man. I'm like, I'm I'm, I'm really in this, and you know, people can keep sleeping, but you know, they have to wake up soon. So sure. you you got a chance to be a part of that. You know,
0: so you can, so continue to check it out. Get it now while it's free. That's all I'm going to tell you, get it now while it's free, because it's going to be ETR level soon. (laughs) That sub is not going to be cheap. That sub will not be cheap. It'll be well worth the money, but it ain't going to be cheap. (laughs) So get it while you can. Why well, it's free? You know, and it's, it's not costing you anything. Because when it's time to pay, you're going to be over there wringing your hand.
2: to oh, mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Ain't nobody trying to hear us, Okay. <laughs> you had your chance. <laughs> you had your chance. He's <laughs> you late to the party. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that stuff is good, man. Uh, Kerry puts it in the work. And I've said it. I know Chris feels the same way. Whoever's out there in the fantasy industry, name your name. Pick your person uh I'll put carry up there with them toe to toe and whoever you name and whoever you pull out and say oh well, he's doing this and he's on that all all the only difference to me is their platform that's it mm-hmm. it's not about the the work it's not about the work ethic it's not about the quality of the analysis or the thought that goes into it I don't think they can I don't think it's it can be It can be surpassed by anybody else out there. Maybe there's some people that are as good. I know Kerry respects other people out there in the industry. He ain't going to put himself out there like that. So I'm not going to say there aren't other people that aren't uh, as good and and who don't put out the same kind of quality work. But what I'm saying is he's being vastly, vastly slept on. And I would put him up there with any of those dudes who've got those bigger platforms. And, And, you know, like I said, no hate, no shade to them. They at where they at. Good for them. But the day is coming. Nope. <laughs> the day is coming, and it, yes, ain't, gonna it ain't gonna be long. Uh, ain't gonna be long. Who knows? Chris might be out there scouting. Be on
3: the road somewhere. Oh yeah. <laughs> H- Hell no! Not with what they like. say. <laughs> <laughs> so they say? You just yeah, we forgot. Yeah. You would just stay in the
0: New Jersey area. You could hit that area, right?
3: No. No, they they could keep that. That I, I've I've done enough reading and enough research to realize that working for the NFL is just you being a sucker, unless you're like a a, a high level person. Like it's just it, I I don't know. They they just it's very off putting.
2: <laughs> all,
3: all all they have to go through, like being away from their family, you know, being paid like you know, like you work in an ice cream stand as a teenager, like it's just, that whole thing just sounds horrendous. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's not cool. That model is definitely not cool. I hope that there are some teams around the league that have gotten away from that model. Uh, You know, maybe you don't hear about it as much because you're going to hear more about the, you know, the 3030 club and all of that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, because that just sounds like, oh, these guys weren't making any money and they all grinded and came up through the ranks. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There is a place for that. It will probably always be a place for that. But there's also a place for paying people their value.
3: Shit. Not (laughs) why? Not not why? Not while strawberries cost $12. Hell no. I saw that
0: strawberry tweet. That's got you up in arms. Hell,
2: yeah.
3: $12 strawberries.
0: That's a good right now. What what would you take? Would you take a lower price strawberry or a new offensive coordinator? That's a good
2: (laughs) 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 Tough question right now. Hey, man. I don't know if you can answer that right now.
3: Listen, I go a while without some strawberries, but that, that OC, the new OC, I'll I take that. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'll, eat some, I'll eat some raspberries or something. <laughs> okay. I
0: see. I got it. You okay. So you, it. You, you made it clear that your, that your priorities are not, that it is, that it's not the strawberries.
2: <laughs>
0: Despite the, the inflated prices, it is still the OC. Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> all right y'all we're gonna get out of here y'all be good like I said y'all know what to do tell a friend to tell a friend share everywhere and uh you know interact with us on the socials we're out there we got the TikTok. never forget about the TikTok man I posted one video I need to get out there and post some more um Kerry you've done some stuff on on the TikTok uh you
1: know, no I haven't yeah I, I did some stuff on the personal one um some deep cover stuff but you know I need I need a, a millennial, man, to, to kind of yeah. want me do this stuff, man. I, <laughs> yeah, I need some help there, man. I got a me of 20 year old.
0: Need. That's what we need. And I've been trying to work on it in my house. I've been, like, trying to get my son. I showed him the little video I did, and he was like, yeah, that's kind of me. And so I like, <laughs> <laughs> we, need, we need your help. And he was like, does it got to be about football? I was like, it doesn't have to be. So, we're in negotiation. Yeah. So so we're putting it, we're
1: gonna put it out there to the to you know the Twitter sphere everywhere. Uh, we're looking for an intern, you know, young, bright eyed, you know, knows they wear around the social media so you know we can get some of this stuff off the ground. So
0: holla at us, we're getting them DMs. Absolutely, and I know we just talked about how off putting it is to not pay people their value, but we cannot pay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are not paying your value. I'm sorry, <laughs> we're gonna credit you, but we're not gonna pay your value. I'm sorry, absolutely, we will credit you and promote you around to, to anybody and everybody who has. and I know that that is uh probably gonna sound very contradictory to you based on what we just said, but we cannot, pay the, the game
2: is the we game, cannot, <laughs> cannot, cannot do it. Sorry. <laughs> but hey,
0: come 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 and hang out, man. It's gonna be fun. You know, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a good time and you know, you be able to put out some cool content and get your name out there and uh, uh I think it would be cool. So yeah, definitely hit us up. You know, anybody who's out there yeah. who's interested. Um I didn't even think about that. That's a good idea, Gary. Crowdsource this thing. Oh yeah. Uh, always a good idea. Yeah, let's get it let's get it all right y'all until next time we out of here later